0: Joe Hendry makes things better But there's still so much to do Joe Hendry makes things better And now he's got a podcast Cause if you'd like some Come and collect some and if you'd like some Hello and welcome to episode, I believe this will be episode 15 of the Joe Henry Show I'm joined by one of my very good friends, Lewis Gervin. How are you doing Lewis?
1: I'm good, I'm good, I'm very surprised to know I'm in your 15 favourite people
0: No, 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 That's, we do one with the, just the, 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 the lads, you know, just having a bit of banner And then a guest, so you're in the top 7 or 8 Top, top seven, 7 or 8 7 or 8 Yeah, James Storm beat you to it uh-huh. So yeah. I know you guys have had such good times together Hey, we're buds, man. We had, a, we had an Eddie Rockets in Ireland. There you go. <laughs> it's good. you got to get to Eddie Rocket. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, so before we get started in the podcast, you know the drill, people. We are going to give some love to the sponsors. Up first, a promotion I very much enjoy working for. You may remember behind me, they used to sit a beautiful championship title. That was the Pro Wrestling Elite Heavyweight Championship. I unfortunately lost that title to the now champion. Kenny Williams. But don't worry, all is not lost. I'm going to work my way back to the title and that begins on the 22nd of September at Airtown. Hall. Guys, I, I would seriously encourage you to go to these shows. It's got something for independent professional wrestling fans, but also friends and families as well. There's something for everyone at Pro Wrestling Elite. They're very well run. It's a great show to go to if you haven't gone to see live wrestling before and the roster is stacked from top to bottom. We've got stars from WS Wrestling, from Impact Wrestling and from WWE UK as well. I'm talking about, you've got myself, you've got Kenny Williams, you've got Viper, Kaylee Ray, Jack Jester, Joe Coffey, Wolfgang, B The list goes on. It's one of the best rosters in the United Kingdom right now and that is at Air Town Hall on the 22nd of September. Go to prowrestlingelite.com to get your tickets. That's 22nd of September. Come watch me wrestle. I'm going to be taking on Adam Echo. Go to prowrestlingelite.com and search for your tickets there. So actually, I hope you're impressed, because I usually have a bit of paper to read that out. But actually, that was all from memory. Wow, I
1: thought you had that practice. I thought you were trying to show off for me. No,
0: no, I was actually, my, my brain was just crying, trying to remember all those details. But we got through it. It's easy to promote something you're passionate about. I'm passionate about pro wrestlers. There you go. But up next, our next sponsor, something I'm also passionate about, is is beer. Beer52 are offering right now a free case of beer to the Joe Henry Show listeners and viewers and basically when i say free all you've got to pay for is the postage and packaging so for two pounds 95 they will not bother with royal mail they will courier eight awesome unique beers to your door the last one i got i enjoyed very much it had a cream soda ipa It had road uh, road soda i think it was called that was the one we had a you got juice box they had Moor stout as well those were my favorites of the batch it came with ferment magazine and also Hot chicken wing flavoured crisps. Have you ever had them? That sounds like my favourite parts. Dude, they're amazing. They're amazing. But, um, and well, you're not a big drinker, are you?
1: No, I was going to say we should get aspen on that, but we're all really worried about aspen right now.
0: Okay, fair enough. Well... For someone like myself who enjoys a beer every now and then, Beer 52 is perfect for me. It's the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. They search out the best exclusive small batch craft beers they can find and they bring them back to you. So if you want this for $2.95, basically how it works is it's like a monthly subscription service. But because you listen to me, because you listen to people like Lewis, because you watch it, you get it. For you get the first month for two pounds ninety five. Just go to the, it's the word beer the numbers fifty two dot com slash hendry. So it's beer 52com dot com forward slash hendry. Um, and every month focuses on a new country or theme. And if you sign up now, you can get your chance to try that case for only two ninety five. There's no minimum commitment. If you don't like it, you can just take the case, bail, let them know either call or email, and they will cancel your subscription right there, and you get away with eight beers for two ninety five. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing because they have a five star. Rating on Trustpilot So... That sounds pretty good to me. Beer52.com forward slash Henry. And last but not least, do you like video games? Absolutely. Do you like nerds? Most of the thing. Do you like nerds doing video game things?
1: Sure, that's what they're good at.
0: Well, then you will probably, like our listeners, enjoy the bottom tier. This is your one-stop shop for nerd humor, video games, and gratuitous swearing. Jason and Colton co-run their stream, I and mean, when they aren't working in games journalism, uh, they work for well, they work for a company called MMO Huts, which is a respected... Um, what was that? What was it MMO? Stanford gets mul- mass. mass multiplayer online. online. There we go, Matt. Thank you for that. Sorry. You build me out there. Uh, but basically, they uh, are a publication that uh, talk about MMOs. And they've got over half a million subscribers on YouTube. That's how popular they are, but this is their side project. Um, So what they do when they aren't working in games journalism, they're playing randomized retro RPGs, online co-op games, Guitar Hero, and they read the worst fiction the internet has ever produced in their bottom tier book club segments, which I have discussed with them on a number of occasions. You may remember they came on my stream, I went on theirs. We get on with them great. They're a friend of the channel. They've supported us from day one, and we very much much appreciate it um so one has a melodious voice the other has a magnificent beard and when their powers combine they produce something incredible so there you go folks i can talk from from memory now all you need to do is go to twitch.tv forward slash the bottom tier go check it out and see what they do you guys will enjoy they've got a great fan base and they work really hard so check that twitch.tv forward slash the bottom tier so there we go that's the ads, but you gotta give love to the sponsors. They're the ones that that keep it free for everyone. You know, we're gonna try and progress from one mic to to two mics, two mics. and then eventually three mics. So, Lewis, <clears throat> tell us what's been happening recently. Things have been picking. Business has been picking up mm-hmm. for yourself, for the Kings of Catch, for. The filthy generation. Yeah, man. Can you give let us know what well, what I'd like to do is maybe talk about what you're doing just now and then maybe let's take the road to how you got to this point. Okay. So uh so right now there's myself,
1: I'm my a tag partner, Aspen Faith, we are the Kings of Catch. Alongside Kayleigh Ray and Stevie Boy, we are the filthy generation and life's good, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh Aspen and I are chasing our first tag team championships. Uh like this Sunday we're gonna be in Sunderland for upbro Championship Wrestling where we take on the Govern team Hopefully going to beat them For the tag team championships uh, The main goal for us right now Is the ICW tag team championships mm-hmm. uh, Kaylee Ray is chasing the women's championship Because for my money She's the best women's wrestler in the world And Stevie Boy is Well
0: after losing to DCT Things are kind of up in the air with Stevie Boy right. But we hope to have him back can we? Do we have any updates on Stevie's condition at all? Or I don't want to kind of if you know if he doesn't want to speak about it, or I don't know what the situation is. But just from someone that's, that that kind of works with him, do you have any update mm-hmm. for us? Uh, I could say this uh, for everyone watching.
1: I'm sure you all will agree that Stevie's clearly one of the hardest working guys, like in wrestling. And I don't just mean locally; I just mean everywhere. And unfortunately, as Joe will tell you, you know, wrestling takes a bit of a toll on your body, and in a number of ways, Stevie just. He needs a bit of time, I think
0: is the best way to put it. Okay, you know? cool. So with that in mind, um, this all came together fairly quickly mm-hmm. because you've been in wrestling for how many years? Ten years as of next month. Ten years. And when would you say, because I'd say this is kind of the hottest the act has been 100%. right now. How long has it been like this for? And how long has it been building to this point? Um,
1: well, we joined... Aspen and I have been teaming as the Kings of Catch for just coming up on two years now, but we joined the filthy generation about September last mm-hmm. year, uh, which kind of really like seemed to be like a bit of a flip switch yeah. for us. You know, I think it gave us a real kind of direction and purpose that we had never had, certainly had never really had before that. Apart <coughs> me. It's all right. Uh, so it's really just been building for the last year. I think it's been a number of things. I think it's... Um, being with Aspen, who's a good friend of mine, and as we've teamed up with Kayleigh and Steven, we've become like there's been a real sense of camaraderie between mm-hmm. us all. Certainly for me, at least, I feel like I've relaxed into my role for the first time. You know, it's like, you know, I'm so used to like, being up here, needing to be the pro wrestler, whereas now I can just be myself. Yeah. And I think since I've really relaxed into that, I've got a much better connection with the audience. I think they yeah. feel like they're seeing me as a human being for the first time. Yeah. And you know, it's like, you'll know this people care about people, so yeah. I'm not like a robot wrestler anymore. Folk. Yeah. Care.
0: Well that's the thing You were one of these people That it was like I know the perception of you Around the locker room For a while Was that you were very quiet And kept to yourself But the people that knew you Knew that that wasn't true mm-hmm. You know I think there's a few people Like that in wrestling Now that your personality Is coming to the forefront I think that has definitely helped As you say oh, With your your pro 100%. wrestling 100%. So did, was there a change In attitude with you, with yourself What caused this change <laughs> Or did it all just fall together Quite naturally Um There was
1: a natural change in my attitude. I think um, a big thing for me is I just, as stupid as this sounds, because of course you need to take wrestling seriously, I learned to stop taking myself so seriously. Right. You know, it was like I was so like, I need to just be the best wrestler I can be. You know, if it needs to be perfect and I need to be like the number one guy in the ring. And it's like, I've got a real passion for like the in ring stuff that we do. But like I said, people care about people. So it was only by giving a bit more of myself to the audience that. It meant that They were invested In what I did So whatever I did Wrestling wise They cared a bit more And that's been like A real difference maker For me Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been Aspen and Stevie And Kaylee's Kind of influence Towards that That's really helped me Um, I think as well I just I reached a point of Frustration You know Like One of the two main places I worked for As yourself as well Was ICW And it was like I felt like I was banging my head Against the wall I didn't know What more I could do Like I had the best match in ICW history with Ricochet, and within six months I found myself yeah. not on shows. So
0: that, that's that's quite a bold claim. That's quite a bold claim. Why would you say it's the best match in ICW history?
1: Because uh, I feel like on a show, the first time in the Hydro, the biggest audience in near 40 years that any European company had, every single person on that show, you were on it as well. I don't think there was anyone there who wasn't putting their best foot forward, I think, to say the very least. you know, And there was a great card put together that night, but walking away... Certainly from what I saw, seemingly everyone was talking about me and Ricochet, you know. Uh, I certainly poured absolutely everything I had because I knew that that was a real, it was a statement match for me. This was right. my chance to go to, to the powers that be within ICW, go, look, you've never given me a proper chance before. Now, here's what I can do, given half a
0: chance, you know. So that was, I don't know. It's like I don't, Well, I don't know if you want to mention this because you've said to me, There are a few other Matches in ICW That have stood out to you Mm -hmm. Would you say That match eclipses that All things considered Story
1: Well This is another point
0: When I say The best match I
1: mean from an in ring perspective Right okay There are other matches That I'll be the first to admit There was a bit more of a build There was a bit more of a story There was more of An emotional payoff To those matches I think that's different Like I'll be the first one To admit that Me and Ricochet Was a great match But I never met Ricochet Till like the day before, basically, yeah. you know, like there was no
0: hatred, there was no issue there. It was just two guys coming, two guys to- who wanted to win yeah. on the biggest stage that mm-hmm. at the time the British wrestling had seen for God, how many years since nineteen eighty one? So I that, mean, that that is that is the thing that people sometimes forget about that first Hydro show that ICW did. That was a historic evening. Mm-hmm. It really was. It really was.
1: You know, so yeah, there's going to be other matches that I think from an emotional kind of perspective. Mm-hmm fans might have felt more, but if you want
0: to really strictly analyze what we did in the ring, I, I can't say any match. That's a that's a fair comment. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. For me, you know me, like like my taste in wrestling, I really enjoy it when it's intertwined with mm-hmm. the the stories. That that's kind of what I think the build is a lot of the time what makes a great Oh yeah. Match and button. that's something like like we're saying is like that's what it's really taken me to the last year, year and a half to really properly Well learn. that's that's what I was gonna allude to is basically now, the position that you did in the company, that opens a lot more doors for you to do the type of stuff that you did when you wrestled Ricochet, but also to add a little bit of flavor with uh, this kind of, you know, you might have an issue with some there. You know how wrestling can be. Whatever direction you go down, now that you're, well, let's just say it, now that you're more over with the audience mm-hmm. and they care about you as a person, there's so many more directions mm-hmm. that you can go in the company. And now, it's, it's, I think it's added another dimension to what oh, you can do, basically. Exactly. And I think it's been, like, a real necessary step for me because
1: it's, like, it's not that you get certain more allowances, but it's, like, if the audience are invested in what you're doing on, like, a more human level than just what you're doing wrestling-wise, then it's kind of, like, it's not that the match doesn't need to be as good, but
0: it's, like... But the the match doesn't need to be as good. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The expectations... Well, I often think about this, right? Um, To me, I think Rock Hogan is up there. Not 100% For me personally But if you were to take Two trainees In their first match And they had that match Do you know what I mean How would it be regarded Type thing Not very Well this
1: this is an example Like I train folk At like the source wrestling school And the example I'll always use Is like If you can make folk care about you What you do Kind of becomes secondary And the example I'll use Is like Steve Austin versus The Rock at Mania 17 is kind of widely regarded by a lot of folks. Yeah. Not, not me necessarily, but other folk is like one of, if not the best yeah. Mania main events ever. And it's because it was just two
0: guys at the absolute peak of their popularity just being thrown together. Do you know what I thought made that match? The sit-down interview with Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. I thought that sit-down interview is one of the best pieces of business that I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because usually, no, like I mean, think about that. I, I'll, sorry, I'll let you finish the point. We'll yeah. come back to that. Finish the point, sorry.
1: The point I was gonna make is like you've got two how often do you get two guys that popular yeah. that peak at pretty much the exact same time, main event of the biggest show ever. But see if you took the match they had in Mania and like you said, see if two trainees had that at training, I'd be like, What are you two playing at? <laughs> you know, but Austin and Rock could do that because they were they were who they were at that point and folk were hanging off everything that they did. That's kind of the difference that I've kinda of come to realise is it's like if Aspen and I can become an act that folk are excited to see and want to come see. And I feel like we are getting there. You know, then all of a sudden we don't need to be like doing reverse hurricane runners off yeah. the top
0: rope to make folk care about the match that we're having. Well, when I was a kid, my favourite move was the people's elbow. You know what I mean? Think about it. It's that move is literally taking one's elbow, <laughs> off, running from side to side, and then dropping an elbow. Yeah. Now, that would have sounded like, can you imagine pitching that as a finish? <laughs> imagine on the independents going, yeah, so at the end of the match, this is how I want to finish the yeah. match, you know? It's like, when you really think about that, that seems crazy. Mm-hmm. But again, because it was The Rock that was doing yeah. it, it was like, it's just, to well, me, it was only the of thing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, that was the best thing I'd ever seen. Mm. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I had, uh, I, had, I, had, I, had it was, I think it was the first SmackDown, and uh my mum had like some party where she had like, you know, work people over or whatever and I was just kinda in my room playing the game and then one of my um, friends was like, Oh what's going on here? I was like, you play a game and I remember I just had like five finishers loaded up like this right I remember I just like immediately as soon as the bell went kicked the gut <laughs> the spine buster, five people's elbows in a row. And that to me at the time was a five was a, a five star match, you know what I mean? Random thought, you know um, that. I mean, how's that not a five star match? You know, Mm -hmm. I got one for you. Right? Mm -hmm. What's in in your mind? Because you're a connoisseur of wrestling. Yes, you consume wrestling more than anybody else that I know. You you basically live and breathe it, right? You've seen everything from the best of the best to the worst of the worst. What would Mm -hmm. you say is the match that you've seen that on paper just should not have worked, but was amazing? Um. Or something, or a spot you've seen, or just something.
1: This is, this will be a weird one, but it's one that always stands. like, this is one of my favourite matches of all time. Uh, Austin Aries versus Bully Ray in TNA. Um, Impact Wrestling. Well, <laughs> Impact I, I Wrestling. Need to, I need to, I need to correct you now. I think it was like Sacrifice 2012, and it was just, it was like, on paper, here was Bully Ray, who was like, one of the main event guys, so he was very much in like, the storytelling kind of. Yeah. Sports Entertainment vein of wrestling. And he was Austin Aries, who was the X Division Champion at the time. So he was very much in like the indie division where they were doing like brainbusters and yeah. three dives a match. And it was like two guys that, you know, like obviously both very talented workers, like big fans of both, but to throw them together at that time in was like it almost could have been like a real culture shock, like yeah. a real clash of styles, but I thought they put together something that showed that Bully probably had more of an engine on him than people realized, but then at the same time showed that Austin Aries had all the kind of skills necessary to really be the world champ, which yeah. within like two or three months of that match, he was, you know. So that's kind of like a good example I'll use of it. It's like you can have a good story, and this is something that frustrates me. Some folk think, Oh, I'm a storyteller, so I don't need to be the best wrestler, or some folk think I'm a really good wrestler. So I, I, don't I
0: need actually to be- remember, uh, I remember listening to a podcast, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a wrestler on TV, literally on a podcast, and the uh, the podcast um, interviewer said, now I heard you say something about your matches. And, you know, this is a bit of a controversial comment, especially in today's day and age, but what's your thoughts on, you know, match quality and blah, blah, blah. And he literally said, I don't have to have good matches because I'm my character's so over. And that moment was almost like the death of his career. Yeah. This person was was a big star Mm -hmm. and I remember after hearing that I never really heard anything about them again they were off TV within a few months and it is true I mean see for me personally I mean I can speak to I I mean I can speak on this Um, my issue was that I had the for a long time people just said, because you know what it's like, you've been through the same thing, right? When you started on a from a different perspective, you you started off, people were like, oh, but Lewis doesn't have personality. You know what I mean? And that's not true, but you needed to show them it. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, people would say like, well, Henry's an entrance. You know what I mean? Henry's an entrance. Mm-hmm. And I had to dispel that, but the truth was, seen 2016, when I started working for Walk Culture, when I got the match for Kurt Angle, and I watched like, basically what happened was, I'd seen a performance of mine that I was just like, I don't want to say ashamed, but pretty
1: much. Oh, no. I think we've all been yeah. there. I think I any worker who looks at themselves with any kind of critical eye will
0: look at Sir Brash yeah. and be like, I wasn't how I should have been. I saw that, and I honestly believe at the time that, well, I know now that there was question as to, I don't know if Henry's ready for this, because it was, it was meant to be me and Kurt Angle. A few things hadn't, I'd had a really bad like set of tapings with what Culture, just hadn't gone my way at all, and I could see it in the eyes. You know when they're like, I think they might. Yeah. Take this from me But they went through They They kind of put me over And um, Then I was kind of About to So I was about to face Kurt Angler and I was like I'm just not Where I need to be In rig And that's when I quit my job Like because I had a job At the time And I was like No I need to focus On being a wrestler I need to I need to focus on what I'm doing and I think there does come a time where it's like sure you can have a specialty like for me my entrances are still my specialty but now I feel like I have to take a lot of pride in my ring work as well and I think like it's almost like we're kind of going through a. a we're in different companies but I think we're going through similar things where we're starting to become more well rounded you know what I mean so it's like you've kind of added that side to your personality Mm -hmm. but to me I feel so much more well versed Mm -hmm. you know even just in, in the last year and I think having the Commonwealth stuff is now like I now know thinking about what Joe Henry in the ring should be yeah. it's a mixture of that kind of charisma and the amateur stuff whereas before I just didn't have a clue what I needed to be and I think it's difficult to find yourself in all aspects of oh, wrestling yeah. you know? I think
1: um, a big misconception I used to have was like there was one set way to be a wrestler you know like there was one path and I think really it's taken me the last couple of years to go but there is no one set way to yeah. be a wrestler because there's going to be like some folk will tell you what they think all the rules are, and then there's going to be this guy who breaks all those rules, but they're this massive star,
0: you know? So, do that, do you know what I've noticed as well? I've noticed that now, this isn't necessarily, well, it's not, it's not a good thing, but it is true. And I don't want to get into specifics, because um, I mean, look, I think we all benefit from it from time to time, but I've noticed that there are certain people that you would look at and you would think you could just never see them in that spot, and I've, I've been wrong. And like a few years later, they're like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like I'm pleasantly surprised. But I have noticed sometimes in the wrestling business, business acumen and making the right moves at the right time—that is as important oh, yeah. as in the ring or your kind. Of, that's another aspect of it that I don't know if the fans appreciate yeah. how big a part of it that is. As frustrating as it can be, it's like there's certain like, like like I said, I train
1: folk at source, and it's like some folk have it that it's just hard work that's going to get you a job in wrestling. It's like yeah, hard work is it's it's. Paramount, you know, you yeah. need to be getting in and you know, doing your work and like whatever that might mean on any particular day, but you also need to be savvy and kind of know how to play the game. You know, it's like yeah, 100%. Like, I stand as testament to you can have all the great matches you want, but like if you're not playing the game, no one's gonna care.
0: Yeah, you know, you're and there are people who have got no talent at all that play the game oh, and they're on every show, God, you know? too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without going into details. And one of the other issues is well, not issues, it's a great thing, but now to me. Think about the standard of trainee now, Mm -hmm. to what it was. Tell us a little bit about that, how that's changed. Um, Honestly, uh, I think
1: we're now at the point where, see your average British worker, even the ones that we might say maybe aren't the best, they're still a hell of a lot better than even the folk who were good 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, like I remember, I did a show last year where there was a few imports over from America. Talented guys, I won't say who, but they're like talented enough. But it's like I was looking at them and their matches that they had over the course of the two days that they were on, and I remember going, those were good. But that was not something that this, that, or the next trainee of mine couldn't have done. And that's when it really clicked for me, as I'm like, we're at the point now where it used to be, if an import came over, if someone like someone from like mainland Europe or America or Japan came to the UK, they were instantly head and shoulders above everyone, like stood out by a mile. Whereas we're now at the point where it's
0: like, it's really not the case anymore. Well, know? do you know what? See, when I go abroad, the UK is almost revered in the same way. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone, when I go over to Canada, they're always like, how do I get myself into the UK, man? How do I get, and it's such a weird thing. It's just a, a complete switch around. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. I think it's, um, I mean, it used to be that, like, if
1: X, Y, or Z import would come over here, they'd have 100 folk going, H- how do I get into, like, ring of honour or, yeah. or impact whereas now it's like Americans will come over here and be like how do I get in progress how do I get in ICW you know it's yeah. like like you say it's been a real switch but I think that's testament to a lot of hard work for a lot of people for a, a very long period of time because even like I felt like it was like in the last five years since like 2013 things have properly started to change because um, even when I started 10 years ago I think anyone who was around then is like folk thought they were good but none of us were very good <laughs> Um, but no, I'm uh, I'm glad to see things change. Obviously, I think it's that was a real wake up call for me. It's like British workers are as good as anyone yeah. in the world, and I think world of sport and NXT UK and folk like yourself and Gradle going overseas to
0: Impact is a testament to that. You know. One question I'd have is, with that in mind, and you train people, what advice would you give to someone who's training how to stand out? What would you say? Um, like I said. There
1: is no one way set to, There's no one set way To be a wrestler That's like my big If trainees take away Nothing else that I say Please remember that Because I used to be so like I'm being told That there's like one way To do things So I need to stick to that And anything outside of that box Is wrong It's like See so long as what you're doing is safe And doesn't like Expose the business It's right <laughs> Regardless of how you yeah. do it You know it's like Like A big point of contention Used to be Oh your matches need to start small And build bigger there's matches in WWE right now that are starting with moves that were at one point considered finishes. Yeah. You know? Like, one that stand- I can't remember what the match was, but I remember it was like the New Day in the club, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. It was like every match had to start with a lock up at one point, whereas this match started with bicycle kick,
0: Ligerbaum. It's like, well,
1: that's two finishes.
0: That's Seamus yes. and Batista's finish. Well, do you know, if you look at, like, for example, if you look at the UFC. Like now people have a different understanding of what a fight actually looks like. And there are UFC fights where it goes... Brrr, and someone will just run out with a running knee. Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, I remember John Jones would literally crawl over to his opponent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like something that Bray Wyatt would do, but this has actually happened mm-hmm. in, in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So I think people now have... Whereas before, see with pro wrestling back in the day, there was a lot of nonsense with like, a lot of fake martial arts, a lot of martial arts that aren't actually effective, that might be cool to you know chill out and get fit or whatever, but they're not applicable. Whereas now we kind of know what works and what doesn't work mm. in, a, in a fight, mm-hmm. you know? And we can see that on TV in mixed martial arts. And here's one. Do you think mixed martial arts has had an influence on professional wrestling? A thousand percent, yeah. I think
1: when any kind of combat sport, when it wasn't as popular or wasn't it wasn't as accessible, wrestling could kind of get away with being a little bit hokier. Because the audience Didn't know Straight away What a real fight was like We're seeing now Even like the way You put on a headlock Has to be changed Because folk appreciate That one way Doesn't hurt in real life But whereas one way does You know it's like but then in that same token, I think wrestling's had a massive influence on UFC
0: and mixed martial arts. Oh, a hundred percent. There's a complete blur between the two. I mean, when I got into... Conor McGregor's the most pro wrestler exactly. fighter of all time. Yeah. He's, he's the, like, him and Chill Sonnen are the greatest professional wrestlers to never have a match. <laughs> yeah. you know? that's, that's how I see it. Like for, and I'll be honest, when CM Punk signed to the UFC, that's around the time that I started doing freestyle wrestling. It was one of the reasons because I was like, oh, this is the competition now. You know what I mean, and if you look at again, if you look at KSI and Logan Paul, it's like you've just taken two personalities and created an issue between them, and now you've you know sold out Wembley. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Oh, the, the rain is out very loud there, people. So we do apologise for be a little yeah. bit of interference. Yeah. But um, so one thing I wanted to to get into as well is, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you starting in the business? How did you get into pro wrestling? Uh, video games. Yeah. Uh, that's, to be honest That's very much like myself It is People make fun of us for it But that I don't think That the WWE And other major organisations Might realise Well I mean they're very smart I'm sure they have an idea But to me It wasn't watching the show That got me started on it It was playing the games 100%. Which made me want yeah. to watch the show Which made me want to do it Tell me, tell me about your experience well,
1: I'm kind of the age Where it's like By the time I was like old enough To like know what wrestling was Wrestling wasn't free to watch Pretty much Anywhere Certainly WWE wasn't It was all like Sky Sports And all these other channels That I didn't have So it was uh, It was the video games Smackdown vs. Raw 2008 Was like my entry point To wrestling And even though In retrospect It probably wasn't the best game (laughs) It's still one that I'll always Kind of have a special place for Because that's what got me started Like 10 years ago So it was because of that I kind of I became a fan And so I found out that Oh, WWE! you've got a free catch-up show on a Sunday morning on Sky 1. Uh, this thing called TNA is on on a Saturday night. You know, So it was like, I found wrestling however I could. And even like, like, YouTube back then was relatively yeah. in its infancy. You it was, was it? tough, it was yeah. tough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's about four videos
1: on there. <laughs> Matches in, like, two-minute, like, blocks. Yes,
0: I know. See, before YouTube, I don't know if you're probably too young to remember this, but before YouTube, it was e Bombs World, and before e Bomb's World, it was Stupid Videos. Have you ever seen that? No. That's that's showing my age now. So that was, YouTube was, like, very much a newcomer at one point. Sorry, carry on. So
1: it was, like, uh, I just consumed wrestling however I could, and then it was, um, I saw an advertisement in a paper for, like, a local show, uh, and... It was funny because, like, wrestling locally just didn't exist to me. The concept hadn't even crossed my mind. I don't know why. But, like, I saw, like, an advertisement for a local show. And rather than go to the show, I just Googled Scottish wrestling, you know. Um, And the first thing that popped up was the Scottish Wrestling Alliance, which had a school. Now, here's me at 13 going, I'll do that. Yeah, Yeah, that'll be the coolest thing ever. Uh, And it it was, you know. Oh, God, I, like... In retrospect, I think back at what the facilities and the training was like Oh, it was ahead of its time. Yeah, and it was like, it was as good as it could be, but then it's like, I it timed out quite well. Damo, who's like our original trainer, his first week as a trainer was more or less around about my first week as a trainee, so it timed out quite well, and he was like a whole breath of fresh air to the school. He really helped to turn it into like the, the fantastic facility it is today. Um so but getting into the early days, it was like I remember I turned up my first day and there was like the bare bones of a wrestling ring and mm-hmm. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But they were like, Oh, somebody broke the ring last week oh, yeah. and I was like, I don't care, it's still there, I could touch yeah. it. <laughs> so it was uh, it was lots of stuff on mats, it was lots of it was a tiny wee lock up in Linwood but in my thirteen year old wrestling crazed mind I was like, This is like hallowed ground right now, you know. Um when Drew Galloway got signed to WWE the first time STB did like a wee five minute documentary on him And it was in that school So I recognised it straight away And I was like This is the greatest thing of all time And yeah Just For me Wrestling was something I really liked But I just Again I just The thought of doing it as a career Just never occurred to me And then um, I think I've spoken about this before But It was actually I went to an SWA show Just as a fan I'd been training maybe six months at the time and um, everyone talks about what made them want to be a wrestler Like a lot of folk have like a moment that kind of changed things for them For me it was watching BT Gunn beat Lionheart and Adam Shane for the SWA title at the time Never before and only very really sensitive I felt like an atmosphere in a room like there was that night People genuinely wanted to see him win that title And to be part of that and to feel the elation when he finally won It was like I went that's what I want to do yeah. You know that's what I want to have so yeah that's kind of
0: how I got started and here I am too many years later that's uh, it's. I mean that is going back how many years ago was that? 2009 March 2009 yeah. March 2009 so I mean a lot has happened since then mm. I think uh, you know I need to give credit to Mikey Whiplash as well I oh, think 1, he was a, he was a huge part of the Source Wrestling <laughs> School I think between him and Demo, they really covered a lot of ground no, like, skills wise I think Demo.
1: all the credit in the world to him because so many guys like would have been in his position He'd only been wrestling Four
0: years And all of a sudden Here he was That's crazy yeah In charge of a wrestling skill But as you've said Sometimes the best way To learn is to teach 100% Like so yeah. you, I mean you, Tell us about how you think Teaching people Has changed your In ring style yeah. Or your approach to wrestling yeah.
1: I think it's like See if you're someone Who's watched a lot of wrestling In your life Or if you've got Even like a modicum Of like natural athleticism You can kind of Make up the bits and pieces In between how you do things You know it's like if someone's a decent athlete and we're doing like a flip off the top rope, they may not know the exact body mechanics of th- making themselves flip, but they kind of know they can do it. Yeah. Whereas if there's, I'll be the first to admit, and I'm sure any trainer will, there's going to be some trainees who come to you and it's like they can't walk the length of themselves without tripping up. You know, so when you really need to break down the minute details of how to do something to someone, it kind of gives you a better appreciation of it, you know? Like... I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like for me, I know for a long time I really, really struggled with how to like show out to an audience in between all the wrestling stuff I was doing. So going through stuff with trainees where I'm like, right, take a minute here, take half a second there, look out to your audience. You know, it's really helped me kind of go, Okay, I actually do know what I'm doing here, you know, and apply it more to what I do in the ring. Breaking things down to that small a detail, it's gonna give everyone a better understanding having to do it once, twice, three times a week with however many people. It's really
0: helped me. Mm. So <laughs> I'm going to ask a kind of a more sort of serious question. I usually ask this of... I don't usually ask this of strangers. I usually ask this of people that I've known for some time and been friends with because what I want to... I think that fans sometimes don't realise the sacrifice that it takes mm-hmm. to be successful in the business, to do this. Has there ever been ever been a moment in your career, even a, one second, where you thought... Don't know if I can do this anymore. Uh, God, aye, yeah, <laughs> loads, really,
1: hundreds of times, yeah. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that it's like I get, I love and hate wrestling sometimes. Yeah. You know, I find it to be so immensely frustrating.
0: I I agree with you. Yeah, it's 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 almost like see if you want to get into pro wrestling, people need to understand it is the highest highs and the lowest lows. Mm-hmm. That's how I put it. There's no in between. You'll never
1: be bored. Yeah, oh, a thousand percent. But it's like there's been so many times where I'll be like you know, and I think we all get like this, I'll be like, oh, this person got that, why am I not doing that, what am I doing wrong, or, oh, this match should have been so much better, why was it like this, what am I, what's my problem, you know, it's like, but it kind of got put to me this way by a trainee at a source called Craig Byers, who, you know, he said this to me before my first match, and it's kind of always helped me have a bit more perspective. This is kind of what's always been like, pulled me away from the okay. age, for lack of a better term, he's like, Frustration, nerves, any kind of those negative feelings that they come because you care, and it's yeah. and that's right. It's like I do care. So for all the times I've thought about quitting because I'm frustrated, I'm angry, you know, I'm I'm let down, I'm dejected, whatever it may be, it's like I feel that way because of how strongly I care about wrestling and how much I want to do it. So if I care that much about something, you can't walk away. Mm. you know certainly not until you know you've given 110% and I'll be the first to admit in certain ways I've pushed myself to my absolute limit in other ways I know I could do more you know and until I feel like I've totally exhausted myself in wrestling mm. I think to walk away would be doing myself a disservice absolutely yeah. you know and that's fun. you said advice to trainees I'll say that to people as well as it's like if you ever get frustrated Take a look at yourself and be like, "Am I really doing everything Absolutely. I could be doing?" Because yeah. I, I know that like I've probably not been as proactive in chasing work as I could have been. You know, it's like like I can't get frustrated at this person working for that company because I've never contacted
0: that company in the first place. It's a really good point. Like, see when it, see when I was doing music, like we were lucky to have this the modicum <laughs> of success that we had. Like, we we like filled a really big like kind of build. We filled the picture house, which for a local band was like, what oh, yeah, that's massive!" But my brother kind of lays it out in a funny way for me and he's like this is literally what you want to have because I wouldn't release any of my music because I was like no the first album has to be perfect I can't release anything until then a couple of demos here and there but I'm not releasing an album until he's perfect and Jake said what do you want to happen? Do you want, you literally want an A&R guy to show up at the door and go, Joe, I hacked your laptop, <laughs> found your music and I really like it man, you know, and it's like, yeah, what did I expect to happen? And I found myself, whenever I've been frustrated with the way things are going, it's like you say, to me, there's, there's, you can break wrestling down into different chunks of what you need to be good at. Is mine ring stuff where it needs to be compared to do, is my physique where it needs to be is like you say do my business are my business decisions where they need to be am I making the sacrifice am I putting in the time here am I watching matches the chances are I don't think any worker in the world really could ever sit back and say that there are 10 on every level yeah. you know what I mean and I've noticed for me personally whenever I go I'm comfortable here that's when you start slipping And you lose your spot For me You always have to aspire For the top spot oh, yeah, 100%. If you're not trying to be Let's say In your case right now The tag champ Or If you're in a singles run The champ You know It's like If you're not trying to be The, the very top of the bill mm. Then that's when things Start to slip I think you always have to Aspire for more I think
1: it was like it was Steve Austin said to somebody He's like If you're not trying to be The world champion You're in the wrong business I agree and Completely I think, agree I think people misread What he means by that You know the world champ's not real, whatever. You know, it's like, it's not that you literally physically want to have the belt. It's you want to be the guy that is so integral to a company that you're given the top kind of honour you can be given. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you're not aspiring to be that good, whether you get it or not is irrelevant. It's being yeah in that conversation means you're contributing to that, that company's success. I'll say right now, I feel like Aspen and I are one of, if not the most consistent act you know, certainly in the tag ranks of ICW. So I feel oh, like yeah. at this point we should be in the conversation for tag team champions because we contribute to each show that we're on. Yeah. You know, we make it a little bit better just for being there because we know how hard we work when we are there. And I feel like that's what everyone should do. You know, you and I will have run into at times. There's going to be people who are like they turn up to shows and it's like. They're half-heartedly pulling on their gear as they're like, oh, I can't really be bothered today. It's like, well,
0: get out because yeah. there's going to be a hundred other folks. Thinking about getting to desperate. the pub, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, oh, what are we are going to do after the show type yeah. thing. And it's like, I don't think people realize, like for me, when I think about, let's say if I'm working for a company that has, you know, let's say one of the companies I work for that are on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about just like what they're paying for me to be there. I'm also thinking about the TV time that I'm being given. Because time on a show, whether it be on television, whether it be on an on-demand service, or even uploaded to their YouTube, that is the most valuable thing that fans can give you, apart from when they buy merch, is is their time. No, but in all seriousness, the, the most valuable thing that someone can give you is their time. And nowadays, with all the competition that you've got there, with all the amazing shows that are on Netflix, all the movies that are available, if someone has decided to sit down and watch what you do, whether it be a pro wrestling match, a promo or the chat we're having right now, the people that are listening right now, they have chosen to give us their time. And that is you've already got something so valuable Mm -hmm. and you need to respect what you've already got. And I think if you can have that mindset and realize that people's time is valuable. You know, actually it was was William Regal that said to me, it's, it's about building trust with the audience. If they can trust you with their time, if they know that if they invest their time in you, they're going to be entertained. They're going to be get a certain emotion. They're going to get something back. You know, then that is that is the key to success. Mm-hmm. I feel like certainly in wrestling,
1: where you know, being in a wrestling match is so much more taxing than just what it is physically. You of know, course. You need, when you're in the ring, you need to be thinking. You need to be reacting. You know, you need to be physically and mentally kind of all guns blazing. Whenever someone goes in there and they can't be bothered, to me at least, it shows. It either shows them the way they're moving, the way they're reacting, the way they're doing something. I just feel it's like, God, it's like, I it's just alien to me. You know, 10 years in, I'm still like, I get to go out and have wrestling matches, you know? 13-year-old me would have been killing for that, yeah. you know? The physical match is never the part I get frustrated with, because I know that's the part it's like, if I get nothing else, at least I'm getting that, you know? I remember being like 14, 15, still hadn't had my first match. was still training two, three times yeah. a week, and I was seeing folk who'd started after me, who race ahead of me. And I just I always think back as like, how desperate was he just to have a match? So that's why, even now, all these years later, it still frustrates me when I see people, people who wrestle, like, to be honest with you, once every two or three months, and they're still pulling on their gear like the Captain of Like, who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Who are you showing off for? You know, be excited at the fact that there is somebody out there, a promoter who's going, yep here is some money come wrestle on my show it's like at one point you'd have been desperate for that so at what point do you lose that because that just baffles me so who's the best worker in the world and why Um, Kenny Omega I feel like there's a guy who could rely on the fact that he is a phenomenal worker have no character but he doesn't there's a guy who could rely on the fact that he's got a very distinct very out there kind of personality that folk clearly gravitate towards and maybe not try as hard in his matches but he doesn't I feel like the reason he is where he is and why people like the Young Bucks or AJ Styles or Seth Rollins these are like the top guys in the industry today is because really for the first time ever people are properly going you need to be great at matches but you also need to have a personality people care about every other period in wrestling there seems to be a real kind of with the exception of obviously big individuals who I'm sure we can name. Like, in the Attitude Era, your matches were kind of secondary. In the new generation era, generation
0: era... Your promos are secondary. You know right? it's like I don't agree with that. Like, I, I, I mean, the one thing I'll say is... No, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I don't agree with one part being secondary. Like, so, for example, see, with the Attitude Era, sure, I understand what you're saying about the matches, but with the Attitude Era, almost every single person on the show was over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean Like everyone had a role And we knew what it was And everyone was distinct So that's why I kind of Even though I know What you're saying about the matches If you go back and watch them mm-hmm. You maybe look at it In a different way But to me The attitude Era was for, But maybe that's just i look at it that way Because that's kind of When I got into it Oh yeah hundred, You always think, look at the, the time That you got into wrestling You look at that But Rose Tennis
1: But then I think it's like The reason why now Like to me at least I think we're in a golden age of wrestling right now because it's like for the first time ever, folk are really pushing both aspects of what we do as performers. And I feel like, like look at the Attitude Era, who was doing
0: well then? So, do you mean well in terms of business? What, what or? companies were doing well in the Attitude Era? Okay, well, the WWF. At the time. No. Anyone else? Well, WCW. Anyone else? And to a later extent, ECW. Yeah. So, But there's
1: individuals pop up whereas it's like at any time you could look at this company was doing well then, this company yeah. was doing well now. Has Wait, ever...
0: An, it, I mean, now it really is like the territories, yeah, isn't it? Because, I think I now mean, the industry is the... health Overall, the industry is as healthy as it's ever been. I agree with you 100% because... Now there's so many places to go If someone burns a bridge somewhere Because I actually watched the, I watched part of the Steve Austin podcast That he did with Vince McMahon And Steve Stone Cold was explaining His Worry About the fact that If somebody upsets someone There's nowhere else to go Whereas if we look at All In You know what I mean Of course there's places to go So I feel now We're in a time where people can take a bit more risks 100% And I think that's really
1: That's essential You know it's like if someone has a monopoly on wrestling, it's like, well, they get final say, but then all of wrestling is just going to be what they like. Yeah. The great thing about wrestling is, is like if you love, like you're seeing your love attitude there and stuff, so you can watch the likes of like, like the modern day aspects of that, like someone like, say, a John Cena, yeah. who still incorporates a lot of what made that time great. Or if you hate that and you just love indie wrestling, then you can watch All In. Or you can watch... Ring of Honor or Evolve. Or but P. now G. you
0: can see a clash of the two as well. So when you, you can see one character from... So, okay, for example, people that are in WWE or in WWE, but you can see a clash of styles. So you could get someone like... So, for example, uh, like at All In, you had Hangman Page versus Joey Janelle. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, you might not see that match specifically in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. but there's, there's promotions now where you can see... where you're getting, like... What, are, what would be independent wrestling dream matches mm-hmm. happening every week? Kenny you Omega know? versus Pentagon Junior. Well, it's there like you go.
1: there's a match that we've seen snippets of it here and there, but it's like it's never just happened. And it's like, but I watched that and I went, well, that was genuinely fantastic. You yeah. know, there's two guys that it didn't take loads of promos. It was just there was two people that folk are like, I really like them. Wouldn't mm-hmm.
0: it be great if they wrestled? And it was. Mm-hmm. It was genuinely great. I but, mean, I think the crazy thing now is. When we started, well, when I started, because obviously you've been doing it a little longer than I have. But when I started, there was, you know, big some big promotions that had a lot of sway. And then there was underneath that, there was maybe, I mean, I'll get the number wrong. but So you obviously had the big Japanese promotions. But outside of that, there was maybe one or two in Germany. One or two in the UK. You had ICW. And at the time, the big ones were... ICW, PCW progress mm-hmm. maybe at the time yeah, yeah. whereas now there's probably what 10, 15, 20 big promotions in the UK yeah like probably 10 that if you won their world world title that would be mean, a big boost that would be a big boost
1: well I mean put it this way it's like I think because how big ICW is the fact that like say Discovery Wrestling is like the second biggest promotion in Scotland folk forget that it's like well there's a company that Three, um, five or six times a year are
0: selling out like 500 seat venues yeah. every time in advance. Discovery is, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And the thing is, as is ICW, but they're completely different products, yeah. which is why I think they, they both kind of coexist <laughs> well together, you know. But even with the UK in mind, then you've got, I mean, I worked for, so I, work, I worked before Impact. I worked primarily for Smash and then whichever shows were running around them. So I went and did a show called C4. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember which time we did, but it was maybe like three or four hours' drive from Toronto. I went to the show, and it was just like, it was red hot. Like, went in absolutely packed. In this tiny room, there's about 400, 500 people in there, and it actually reminded me of when you watch PWG. Like, it was red hot, mm-hmm. and I was like, there's like ten other promotions that I know of in Canada that are like this, and the quality of the wrestling in Canada. I wasn't prepared for that. Mm-hmm. It's very like what, like what Scotland. Because you remember, like Scotland was for a while in the UK. Scotland was the hot territory. Mm-hmm. Like it really started. A, a lot of people forget that, but ICW kind of did kick off the quality independent wrestling mm-hmm. in the UK. And I feel like Canada's a bit like that sometimes. But then you go over to, to for example, you look at the quality workers in Germany, mm-hmm. and kind of you travel the world, and you're like, man. It is like the territories. Mm -hmm. It's like going back to even like when you know, you have like world of sport and stuff like that. Different countries have their different styles but they can all intertwine. This is what I mean, and it's
1: like when else has like the overall industry been as healthy as it is now? You know, it's at the point where it's like if I wanted to make a living in wrestling, I could conceivably do that never
0: leaving the UK. If I wanted to. I mean that is crazy. And Mm -hmm. the thing is now that like when I'm thinking about what you're saying as well, is it's like but On the flip side, there's probably about 10 locations you could choose and probably still Mm -hmm. be able to function on wrestling, you know? And think about if you'd said, I think we'd be really shocked if we... Because things happen in real time. Things happen incrementally. It's not like one day everything's quiet and then one day it's... This has been happening step by step. But if we're being honest, right, you and I have probably... We've had discussions in the past where we go, maybe this is the year where the bubble bursts. Every single year I've thought, right... Things are just too good. Maybe this is the year, but it just tears off a little. But it just keeps getting bigger every single year.
1: I'm fairly confident in saying is like, when we say like the bubble might burst, I don't think it will ever go back to the way it was. No, because thanks to things like the internet, wrestling That's is it. accessible, and that was really the is Like for me, it was like WWE had a monopoly because no mm-hmm. one else yeah. there was no internet to watch stuff, and they were behind all these paywalls to see their content. Exactly. Whereas now, it's, it's like there's so much amazing wrestling that's like you can watch totally for free yeah you know and if not it's like like ICW On Demand is like what a fiver yeah progress now, is the
0: same now niche is king you know so it's like that's such a huge part of the market now because like you say people can organise themselves through the internet and it's like now you've got this direct relationship with the consumer it's almost like I feel like if ECW had been around oh. where the internet was a little bit better mm-hmm. they'd still be their own
1: company probably you know I mean, the example I'll use is is like like Aspen and I have been doing these videos recently, Filth Life. Tell us about that, of course. Uh, Basically, it's Aspen and I just doing everything we can to entertain ourselves and we're very glad to say it seems to be entertaining other people while we're at it. Where can they find this? Uh, We have a Facebook page, Kings of Catch, where we put all the videos on there. But we also have a YouTube channel, uh, just Kings of Catch as well, where we're going to be uploading slightly different content pretty soon, so... Subscribe to that. (laughs) But... I think it's a testament to the fact that it's like we don't need a company to be like do this. We don't need a channel to yeah. show it. We You're can totally free, totally off our own back. We can just put it out there, and it's like I'm sure in terms of like worldwide numbers, it's not going to light the world on fire in the next few weeks. But there's two guys that filming stuff on our phones. We've gotten like anywhere from like three to seven thousand views on a video. It's like that's it's cost us nothing, and yet we've fans are coming up to us now and being like oh I really like this bit or they're making signs or they're making like gifts of like just stuff that we've been doing it's like well there's us making a relationship with an audience meaning say heaven forbid next year the bubble burst British Wrestling wasn't as pro- profitable as it once was we can still be like well we've established this with an audience where they might not you know this company or that company might not be doing so well but they still care about us you know so we can still make them and who's to say you couldn't do your own show
0: you know. You know. Well, look at what they've just done with all in. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. A lot of that, i um, no doubt my mind was built off of being the elite. You know. Maybe we could pick a town in Scotland that's that's untouched and have our own one, our own rip off event. Yeah. Just call it something slightly different, like all here, all over. All <laughs> I did. I thought this was. If they ever
1: did all in two, it should be called all in two In harder. <laughs> and then the third one in with a vengeance. <laughs> <that was, yeah. laughs> But you know But then that's it It's like 10 years ago If we'd have said that That'd have definitely been a joke Whereas it's now it's like Well why not You know You, <laughs> well, do, you do your live events Like genuinely folk come out and see It's like why not turn it into Let's just put on Half a dozen matches Us and a bunch of our pals You know You know Let's get everyone doing Just stuff to entertain themselves Because I guarantee If you're having fun With what you're creating There's going to be At least something Of an audience for that Our videos are testament to that Yeah out of the context of what we're actually talking about, I'm sure folk are
0: like, what is going on? But if you've paid enough attention to follow... that that's videos. what it's about. It's about the in-jokes, isn't it? Like, I mean, it is, it's... Like you say, it's about building that relationship with your audience, and it's like, now with the internet, we can organise ourselves, you can build your fan base. It's, the sky's the limit, and I guess the, the stage has been set now with All In, because it's shown what... Talents can do, yeah. and the thing is, I think the fans want to get behind. It's, it's it's the little engine that could becomes you know the massive engine that did you know, and it's it's an exciting time. Yeah. And it's not like they like they went half halfway with it. They did 10, no, the 10, production values were great. Ten thousand seats and it looked yeah. like like a WWE pay per view level yeah. event. It looked it looked amazing, um, and it's uh, it is a very exciting time. I remember when I started working in arenas, that was twenty towards the end of twenty sixteen. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, you know, because see, when I was in the band, I supported a lot of big bands when I was 18 and then had to come down from that and scratch and claw my way back up. When I was 18, I kind of went on tour with the Fratellis and the Subways and we had all these great support slots and then I had to go right back down to doing like the smallest venues. And when I started doing arenas with, with Walk Culture at the time, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, you know, it might be the case where this is a cool run, and then you know, I don't know when the next time I'll get to do arenas because mm-hmm. it's a cool experience. 100%. But then Doing the Hydro was great. Yeah. But then like you say, ICW does the hydro and then, you know, at the time, like Five Star was doing arenas every you know, they technically did arenas. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's other companies that were doing it as well and like I say now Defiant is doing bigger venues and obviously like there's there's um there's loads of promotions. But it's, it's one of these things like I kind of thought to myself like, oh, maybe this is a bit of a peak and then it just keeps going up and mm-hmm. up and up and up. And I think it's just a testament to to wrestling as well. And to me, like, it's one of these things when people don't get wrestling, you don't get half fans. You don't get people to go, I watch wrestling yeah. from time to time. You get people that are like either can't stand it or they're... Just live and breathe it
1: I I don't know what it is But there's something About wrestling Where it it just consumes you It It does does. And that's something I actually Like Robbie Brookside Gave me a great bit of advice He goes Do you want to be a success In wrestling I went absolutely He went Find something you're Passionate about That's not wrestling Because it will just Eat you alive If you let it you know, it
0: is all. It's, consume, a, good, it's a very good point, you know? actually. And when it starts to eat your life, you lose your perspective on yeah. it. So I feel you need to find other things that you enjoy that they do have mm. nothing.
1: To Something do with. that we can switch off. Exactly. So of you have. Game.
0: So what is that for you? Uh, video games is the big yeah. one. I
1: absolutely. What love are you play at the moment. Uh, I've just finished the main campaign of God of War, so I'm doing all the. What's that
0: like? Everyone's been raving about. Uh,
1: well, well, see, I never really enjoyed the original God of Wars because they were more of like a hack and slash kind of game, which I've never been majorly into. But this one's a lot more, at least in my mind, story driven. Uh, I think it's like see what, see what I said about caring, but people is like they take this character, and you're taking care of your son the entire time, and it's watching their relationship grow in the immediate. Like it's not really a spoiler because it's the first thing you see, but it's like. No, don't spoil it for me. I won't spoil it. Play. The very, very first thing is the boy's mum's dead. Oh, so okay. That's it's literally in the immediate aftermath of her death how their relationship grows and it's like that's the real kind of backbone right. for all the like action and cool set yes. pieces that you get to do. That's ultimately. Well, the I remember you
0: were into The Last of Us, weren't you? Yes, love it. Which I started playing and I, you know, just to torture myself, decided to play it on the hardest difficulty yeah. mode, and it is literally what I'd imagined trying to do all that in real life. You know? Cause in video games it's like you'll Metal Gear Solid, you'll be like, taking out ten folk, whereas in this game it's like on the hardest difficulty level, I think it's as hard as it would be in real life to survive oh, the zombie apocalypse. So um, I might try that again on maybe the medium difficulty level. Probably.
1: I'll be the first to admit is like I always start a game on easy. Oh I know
0: you're I, I used to run before it like, so bad. Like you're playing like Batman on like Child mode or whatever it was. You gotta build
1: up because it's like you start easy going, I'm
0: I'm like. Do you know what I bet you that's how you get actually good at the game as well? But just to me it's like oh, you just gotta overcome that challenge, man. I just can't I can't live with myself.
1: To me life's enough of a challenge. I need video games to make like it something. That's true man, that's true.
0: I'll tell you what, see playing online with other people, it's oh. a nightmare man. You just turn literally, you just spawn and say like, you know, that's what it's like for me. I don't know why I torture myself. I I don't know why I torture myself. Have you
1: ever finished The Last of Us? No. You need Last of Us Two is coming out. You need to finish the first one.
0: Is it? Is it? How good is it?
1: Can count on one hand the amount of times a video game has made made me feel that way. I thought you were
0: going to say cry. I'm so glad you did. No.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've never cried at a video. I've come close, but I've never cried at a video. I think
0: I probably cried at Sonic when I was about six, something like that that's a light.
1: put it this way I, got, I was getting towards the end of The Last of Us it's one of maybe half a dozen games where I've ever been like I'm getting really really tired but I need to stay up because I need to see what happens next you know
0: that's a rare thing nowadays yeah.
1: like Heavy Rain did that to me um, Ratchet and Clank a Crackin' Time did that to me um, Metal Gear Solid 4 did that to oh, me oh
0: dude everyone Crap's some Metal Gear. I can't believe I said crap. I just don't want to say the S word, man. I That's just okay. can't do it. I do, I do it from time to time, but I just, I, I need to keep it clean. But everyone says that Metal Gear Solid Four isn't that good. Why? Uh, absolutely not. I don't get it, man. I would say it's the best one. To me, I think if you best and favorite are different things. Oh yeah. So to me, if you're talking about the best, I think it's MGS three. Just, just for my money. If you look at what a perfect game is, <laughs> whereas my favorite probably is Metal Gear Solid Four. Why did it work so well for you?
1: Uh,
0: I think it was like Metal Gear Solid 4 was actually the first one I played. And
1: I didn't really enjoy it. But then I thought maybe it's because I'm not getting all these references. Because Metal Gear Solid 4 is really like a love letter to the rest of the series. It is, it really is. So I went back and I played 1, 2, and 3. And then I restarted 4. And all of a sudden 4 I was it like... started making sense. Yeah. And then see, especially is like you went back to, you know, like the areas from Metal Gear Solid 1 as you started fighting all the that old enemies. Cool. It's like, to me it's like if you wanted to like perfectly in capture nostalgia it's like if nowadays we could have Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat in their prime that's what Metal Gear Solid was a wee tiny just like you know there's everything you love and it looks nice because it's not on the PS1 Yeah. basically that's another thing it's like, like I really like Metal Gear Solid 5
0: from a gameplay perspective I think gameplay perspective one of the best games ever yeah. like the combat system the game mechanics one of the best games ever um, but in terms of the story and the way the, the tapes and how it all unfolds um, someone got really drunk. Someone got really drunk when they were finishing that game.
1: Yeah, but then it's like I think we've talked about this before. Could you imagine if you could play like Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three but, with like, Metal Gear
0: Solid Five Mechanics? Yes,
1: oof, best thing ever. Yeah, best thing ever. Um, but basically, all this is my way of saying it. I'm really excited for Death Stranding.
0: A lot of people, do you know? Here we're talking about uh, conspiracy theories, right? Okay. And one, have you heard the one about Death Stranding is Metal Gear Solid Zero? no dude it's, it's, it's not because it legally can't be mm-hmm. but the argument the person makes for it whoever made this video is unbelievable like and I actually respect the effort that went into it and all the little kind of codec messages mm-hmm. and stuff they've, they've analyzed it to a real deep degree I will, I'll give you the link to it yeah. this thing will it honestly takes about half an hour to go through all the Metal Gear Solid lore, but it's it's worth it.
1: That sounds like exactly the kind of thing Hideo Kojima would do. So It does, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing.
0: It does, yeah. And it's weird. So the, the theory is that... Um, who's the... Is it... Which uh, of the boss is... Which of the bosses is meant to be... Oh, somebody's dead. It's, uh, the it's, bosses in Metal Gear Is it the Sorrow or the... I've no idea. The, you know the ghost guy in Metal Gear Solid 3? I know him, yeah. So he was... Was he not dating... Um, the original boss. Yes. We're but talking like five years since I, I know. I this. know. I can't remember. But basically, the the theory is that he basically, well, he looks exactly like one of the characters in Death Stranded and the reason people think it's Metal Gear Solid, uh, that's basically they they think the theory is is that it's loosely based around the starting of the Patriots and how he got uh-huh. involved and all that, and it's. Pretty compelling argument I mean, actually If that's what it turns out to
1: be I'm all for it Great. I know, you know? I really
0: oh, I know Just sort it out Konami Jesus They're
1: making a Metal Gear movie Which I'm 50-50 I'm, I'm about I'm,
0: I'm really worried I'm really worried Okay So we've actually That's that's over an hour Time flies Jesus So before we go You said Kenny is the best in the world Yes He's pushing himself in every, in every area But so are a lot of people Tell me why he's the best I would be inclined to agree But tell us why Uh, I feel like his match quality really
1: speaks for itself, you know, it's like, you know, I think we've all seen like the big matches he's had with Okada, but it's not just Okada he works well with he's had great matches with Naito, he had a completely different but equally good match with Jericho, you know, it's like, it seems like anyone he gets in the ring with, he's just having great matches, but then it's like, I feel like his, his character, his personality styles, it's quite understated in terms of like, he's not like, The Rock where he's like the coolest guy in the world you know he's not like Steve Austin where he's the biggest badass you've ever seen you know it's like he's very much just his kind of off the wall kind of quirky kind of himself but he pushes it to such a degree that it's folks still are drawn in I think it's like there's going to be other folk who are very similar to him in terms of like very good wrestler good gimmick but I just feel like he's doing it and it seems in such a natural way like I'm very fortunate to be able to work with him and I'm like this guy's got his whole other way of thinking about the world
0: so because you worked with him at Discovery didn't Mm -hmm. you tell us about your experience
1: he clearly has a very weird way of thinking about wrestling how so uh, well it's things like
0: put it this way how long on average does it take you to kind of talk about a match me personally like you know me like I kind of like to plan as little in today's day and age it's kind of impossible not to but I kind of like to Plan as little as possible okay. So not not long yeah. I, I mean would, uh, Realistically speaking I, I don't know But uh, You know I would Probably say about, about twice as long As the match
1: <laughs> I would say about 15-20 minutes Maybe half hour At a push Because it's like Yeah something like that I'm not exaggerating When I say Me BT Gun Joe Coffey Wrestling the Young Bucks And Kenny Omega mm-hmm. There's Kenny Legit three and a half hours We spent talking about this And my music was playing And I'm like I don't actually know What we're doing I don't know What the plan is you know, and it's because he's just, he's got such a.
0: Did he go into those minute details? Yes, that I,
1: very big on small details, big on like little innocuous little moments that I think you would never think about. He is very much a, but how is that going to translate? How can we make that mean more to the audience? And I think that's a real. Maybe that's another reason why I appreciate his work so much is because I know like if he's wrestling for an hour, how much time must yeah, have gone into that? How many. Every little step of that match he will have considered it, he will have thought about it, he'll have known exactly how do I get the most out of this club to the back, this Irish whip, this duck, you know? Um I think that's like like I don't know about you but that's exhausting just talking about it. Yeah. So no, I just I think he's great, you know. It's like I would love to have like just a singles match with him. Yeah. Um we'll see how long it takes us to plan that.
0: Yeah. So okay, so he's up there. Who else is up there? Um, give me the, give me the, give me just it doesn't need to be a definitive list, but just give us some people that you think are at the top of the game right now for not just match quality, but for a multitude of reasons. So maybe there's some that I just want to know who are your not top ten, but just like give me some names. Give me some names. Uh, Sam Callahan. I agree. Completely agree. Yeah. He's to me when when I'm at the tapings and you're just watching him smash it, you're just like, I think that's off.
1: In a time and place where like. It, everyone doubts what wrestling is
0: meant to be. It's like, there's a guy
1: that you look at and you go,
0: oh, he's real. Yeah. Do you know what's great about him is he can do, he does all the cool moves, but all the stuff in between, like he does, he was doing, I watched the tapings last time, and there was this whole thing about a bit of drool coming out of his mouth, and there was a whole spot out of it, mm-hmm. literally just drool coming out of his mouth, <laughs> and I was like, okay, he, he gets it. Yeah. I appreciate
1: this, like, He's one of those guys Where it's like You think you can only Take it so far But he's got to take it A wee bit further I think that's missing In wrestling a lot of the time Uh, I think Bram Is also one of the Absolute best I think there's a guy Who folk think They know what Bram is But they really don't You know folk think They've got such a perception Of him but they've got No clue There's a guy to me It's like you ever get this where it's like if you ever turn up at a show, do you ever get like kids going, oh, Are you one of the
0: wrestlers? Yeah. Bram's one. He guy shows to- up and you know yeah. he's somebody. A wrestler's just, just a walked presence. in the room. Yeah, you
1: know? And yeah, I think yeah. that again is it's like that's kinda missing the wrestling. One of those guys where you go, you don't mess
0: with him. I think what kind of like in ring, what one of the things that defines him is it's in somebody's video package in ICW. I don't know if it's DCTs or whoever it is, but there's a bit where somebody Throws Bram like over the top rope, and it's literally like a seven four seven taken. It's like there's no kind of you know. If it was me, I'd be going. He's yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like,
1: but then that says like there's a guy who there's the line and here's him. You know, it's like he's so willing to just completely throw himself utterly and completely into whatever it is he's doing. And I think, I think I just really appreciate that level of commitment because it's like that's what I really strive for you know it's like that's why I always try to be
0: so give me some more names
1: uh, some other names uh, I think Seth Rollins is great I think he's done really well at being like quite an understated true to life kind of personality uh, but you know still has some really great work there um, who else uh, who else do I like to watch
0: who um, are some great baby faces
1: great baby faces uh, I think Sammy Zane's one of the best baby faces of all time because His selling is so realistic And so like Generates such genuine sympathy That it's like For me it's like I don't want to say he's wasted In his current role Because God knows everyone Has a lot to contribute On both sides of the coin But I just think it's like You've got such a likeable You know Happy go lucky guy That's just so Easy to cheer for Um, Other than him uh, I think I think the Young Bucks. I've got a. Gr- they've really grown a lot. As someone who's watched their work for a very long time, I think they've become really, really great at being like kind of underdog, kind of like fighting yeah. from underneath good guys. You know, I think them against a team like. It's a shame they're signing, but like if they were babyfaces working against like War Machine when they were here, yeah. I was like that'd be such a great dynamic there.
0: You know, I think I was actually part of that, where basically I think it was like a Four Corners tag thing, <laughs> where we had it was. Me, I think it was me and Ligero, maybe? Or is it me and Travis Banks? It was basically when we had the Prestige stable, mm-hmm. it was us, War Machine. I'm pretty sure the Bucks were there as well. Like, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. Like, they they put us on with some big names. Like, yeah. we had a lot of... I think that really, uh, like, defiant war culture really kind of helped me accelerate quickly. Because they just kept putting oh, yeah. me in there with top folk. Like, we had... I remember it was, uh, so, again, the Prestige... Versus uh, the young bucks and Adam Cole, and it was like even just I must have worked with Adam Cole for about forty-five seconds in total. But in that forty-five seconds, I was like, "Oh, you're next level." Yeah, you, oh, know? Yeah. you just know, don't you? It's like
1: I laugh because it's like there'll be times where I'm going like I'm getting pretty good, you know. I think I know what I'm doing, and then I'll work someone who's actually gonna be like, "Oh, I've got
0: yeah. a lot." well, to we reach. were talking about that today when I worked Jonathan Gresham. I had that experience. Mm.
1: The last time that happened to me was uh, when I worked with Jody Fleisch last year. Yeah, you know, there's Jody Fleisch who's been wrestling since like the year after I was born. Yeah. you know, so it's like, but it's like I knew he was good, but it's just it's so rare when you're in the ring with someone and just the way they're moving, yeah. the way they're doing stuff. It just I had a real moment of oh my god, I've got so much work to
0: do. Yeah, but I mean everyone, everyone does, and I think any I can't kind of remember who I was discussing this this with, but I think. Any wrestler that is great or aspires to be great, you never hear any of them go, yeah, no, i got it down, i got it down. You know, it's like, there's always like, oh, maybe I could do that better, or maybe I could do this better, because the problem is, the standard is just, like, the standard now is so high, it's tough to compete, and rightly so, and rightly so. I think it as well, it's like, it's because wrestling's kind of always changing. Oops, I just actually ripped the handle of this. I wondered like I wonder how tightly this is attached to this unit. Not very. No. So I've just destroyed the furniture. Sorry, carry on.
1: Cause wrestling's always changing, I think if you want to be really good you need kinda really need to keep your finger on the pulse of what's kinda like going on now. And I think that's again why I appreciate folk like like Undertaker's my favourite wrestler yeah. of all time. Of all time. I think he just perfectly encapsulates every kind of facet of what a pro wrestler should be. You know, best character of all time. Still made an effort to be one of the best workers of all time could have relied on either instead worked on both. But there's a guy who Whereas the standard of wrestling kind of got
0: higher is the is the expectations got higher. When do you think the Undertaker became going from a great character to a great worker? Well, both obviously, but when do you think was the the evolution?
1: I think you first saw it in like 97. When he was like the WWE champion at the time, because that was like his first long run with the belt. So, this was his first real period of I'm the top guy and he to be performing like the top guy. I think after that, until like 98, when he had like the Hell in a Cell with uh, Mankind, I think he was kind of showing us as like Undertaker's like this omnipotent being that could just exist as an entrance, but instead he's going in there and he's killing himself having these great matches. I think really as like like his run of matches from Batista at Mania twenty three till CM Punk at WrestleMania yeah. twenty nine, I think those that was amazing that yeah, one, yeah. It was like every year like he's like he's not gonna yeah. top it. And then he did. Yeah. You know. Um and even then I think him and Bray Wyatt was really good. Uh, I think him and I really, really, really thought him and Roman Reigns was going to be like one of the best matches of all time. And I was
0: there alive for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you know what the thing was? I actually quite liked his match with it was John Cena next, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. After, and the reason I liked that is because everyone had kind of written the Undertaker off after the like the Roman Reigns match, and then he came back and I thought he looked
1: great mm-hmm. after yeah. that. You know? Yeah, no, he moved uh, moved around better than he had in years, and I think that's the thing is it's like I will always appreciate the guys who. Wrestling is their focus, wrestling is their priority. They dedicate themselves yeah. to that. And there's a guy who, if he'd have retired 10 years ago, none of us could have begrudged him for it. No, you know, he'd already had one of the best careers ever. Yeah, but he's a guy who he stuck around. And it's like every year we go, Is this the year he's maybe not going to like perform? we seen that for so long, you know, when is it? When is he going to call it a day? When mm-hmm. it, and it really looked like he had after him and Reigns. And this mania passed when he came out for Cena. That's probably. The reason... Another reason I love, like, The Undertaker so much is his match at Mania every year is, like, the one match where I get to, like, turn off that wrestler part of my brain. Yeah, and just, and like, be just, a fan. Yeah. yeah. And I really, like... I miss that, man. I really, really yeah. miss that. For some reason, his ma- Mania matches, especially, like, before he lost the Brock, those were the only ones that had me going, like, like, this in my seat. Yeah. You know? It was, like...
0: I remember uh, Rick Flair versus Shawn Michaels literally had me, like, here on my seat, like... <laughs> and it's like the weird thing was it's like I mean everyone knew you know you knew Flair was retiring but you didn't you know um, but I miss that you know I
1: really 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 do miss that but yeah I just I will always say Taker's always been
0: my favourite was my favourite then he's my favourite now well there you go I think that's probably a good place to to finish it up that's been uh, that's been 70 odd minutes there we went see time flies time flies I know absolutely Um, be great to get you on another time um, talk a little bit more um, about career developments and stuff like that because there's there's so much to talk about when you're with somebody that is this passionate about wrestling. That's so why I want to have you on, Lewis. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I mentioned
1: the Kings of Catch Facebook page earlier, so like that. You can also like my Lewis Gervin Facebook page. I'm a lot more active on my Twitter and Instagram at Lewis C E Gervin. Uh, there's also What's like the C E. Uh, the C E is Camel It's uh, my middle name. Um, so yeah, Lewis Ce Garvin on Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Kings of Catch uh, YouTube channel. Where every Monday at eight o'clock we're putting we're putting up another episode of Filth Life, and hopefully soon we'll be adding some extra stuff,
0: which I can't talk about right now. Cool, awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Lewis. Thanks nice right. for coming on the back podcast, to do do and uh, we'd love to have you back another time. All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks to our sponsors, Pro Wrestling Elite. Thanks to Beer52. Thanks to the bottom tier. This has been the Joe Henry Show. I'm Michelle. See you next time. Peace and leave.